Welcome to the Space Beyond Scarce podcast. I'm your host, life and business coach, Kate Hawley. I work with entrepreneurs and creative change makers who value depth, impact, and purpose. Many of my clients are like me. They dream of creating prosperity through the value they provide, but they also want equity for others and sustainability for our planet. The scarcity mindset of our culture tells us that this dream isn't possible, that we are not enough, that we don't have enough, that there is not enough for everyone, and that's just the nature of reality. But really, it's just the nature of predatory capitalism. I'm glad you're here because we are going to prove that sad story false and make better meaning to build our future with. Here we go. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Space Beyond Scarce podcast. Today is a mini episode that is not what I was planning on airing. I was planning on airing an interview this week and I ran into some technical challenges with my recording software and tragically lost part of the interview that I was planning on airing for you. So I have already made plans to redo it and will be getting it out to you probably next month. Meanwhile, I am also in the middle of a two-week period where I have very little slack in my schedule, so I am just squeezing in a quick broadcast for you all today. And I decided that I would like to address a money mindset, or really just a mindset, that is quite relevant to both my circumstances today with having to kind of last minute change up my podcast, and also something that... I think has broad relevance that is worth looking at a little bit more closely. And the mindset is one that we could call DIY or doing it yourself, right? That one, that phrase has been around a while. I don't know that we think of it as a mindset, but it definitely can become one. So part of the reason why a little unexpected technical challenge can throw off my entire podcasting schedule right now is that I am doing it all myself the podcast, writing, recording, producing, editing, and I'm doing that on top of doing everything else in my business myself, coaching my clients, developing my programs, doing all of my marketing, writing my newsletters, right? Everything else that I'm doing in my business. And this doesn't feel wrong to me. I have been DIYing things for so long. It is a very well-worn habit for me, but I'm also aware that this habit stems from pretty old habitual money mindsets that I unconsciously doubled down on back when I was a relatively broke artist and I never paid for anything if I could take care of it myself. And my mentality was, I can figure out a way to take care of anything myself. And so today I want to start by addressing First of all, what is really quite helpful and important about DIY mindset, it is not a bad thing, but also why it's equally important to know when you have DIY'd something to its limit and it may be time to hire support or pay for the pro version or go into what I'm going to call DIP, doing it professionally. So here's a quick little history or description of DIY. It's, I guess it's been around quite a while as a concept, but it really came into cultural use and prominence in the 1950s as more people got interested in 
learning how to do things themselves. I wonder if it actually came into prominence then because before that it was just the way things were and then consumerism kind of led people away from doing things themselves. And so there was kind of a return of maybe you can fix your own car and your own home and you can learn how to do these things yourself. Really by the time I encountered DIY, it had evolved into more of a, you know, punk anarchist art world kind of a concept. I mean, I went to college in Olympia, Washington in the late 90s, so it was very, very prominent there in that particular way. And according to Wikipedia, the DIY ethic is the ethic of self-sufficiency through completing tasks without the aid of a paid expert. The DIY ethic promotes the idea that anyone is capable of performing a variety of tasks rather than relying on paid specialists. So in some ways, the DIY ethic or movement is about toppling hierarchies and, you know, spreading equity and democracy and getting creative and getting resourceful. And there's a lot to appreciate about it. What I observed in the DIY scene in Olympia is that a lot of people were starting to self-produce their music or their art or their theater. They were getting past the traditional gatekeepers of the major record labels and starting their own little indie record labels or crafting things by hand and starting to sell them on the internet or learning to grow their own food. I made friends with this couple who they were about a generation older than me and they had gone to the same college I went to when it first opened in the 1970s and they had taken a college level course on how to build your home from other people's trash. And they had the most amazing house in the middle of the woods in Olympia that was so unique, so beautiful, so innovative. And this was helped in large part by the fact that one of them was a professional house painter who had a bunch of celebrity clients in Hollywood. So he would go down to Hollywood, work with his clients there, and they would give him these kind of treasures that they were just getting rid of, random fixtures and materials and things like that that they no longer needed or wanted. And then he would integrate them in some really unique way in his house. So when I think of DIY, I think of so much innovation and cool things that, that can emerge from that that would never probably emerge from if you just hired a traditional contractor, say, to build your house from whatever materials they usually use. So DIY definitely was a point of pride for me and I think for a lot of people. And I honestly never even questioned that it was the right way to do things until many years later when I opened a more complicated brick and mortar business. And I started to realize that I had trained myself to underinvest in professionals who really could have saved me a lot of time, money, and energy in the end. I had learned to devalue my own work and services because when you never pay for other people's services, it can be hard to believe that you deserve to get paid for your services. I had learned to do kind of a half-assed job at a lot of things instead of getting really professional or really good at just a few things. And that in turn had led me to really develop a habit of overworking and under-earning. I was always just in the hustle, kind of lost in that, I gotta go, 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 do, 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 because I'm doing everything. And that never leads to your best work, I'll just say. And it also never leads to you earning at your best potential. So at some point, in my most recent business, my last business, I got to a point where I knew that if I did not get help from other people, 
I was going to be stuck on a hamster wheel. I wasn't going to get anywhere. I wasn't going to be able to grow my business. And that really was not going to be sustainable for me in the end. So at that point, I ended up hiring my first business coach. And by the next year, I was able to hire my first employee based on some changes that I made with the help of my coach. And then that led to a huge return on investment that allowed me to grow my business. It allowed me to hire even more professional support, which just really did have a compounding effect of improving things. And so this result of shifting from DIY to what I'm calling DIP or do it professionally is that I was able to focus my energy on what I was best at. I was able to deliver more professional, high quality results in the work that I cared most about. I was able to build more community and support and relationships around my business because I was inviting other people to come and be part of it. I was able to strengthen the economy around me by hiring other small business owners, other professionals to do what they were best at. So it really was a very positive impact when I made this shift. And again, I'm not trying to say that DIY is a bad thing or the wrong mindset or a worse way to do things. I actually don't think there's really any such thing as a right or wrong money mindset. I think the challenge comes in when we build habitual money beliefs or ways of doing things that we get stuck in and we're not really examining why we're doing it that way and we start to feel like we have no choice in the matter. So when back when I was living in a DIY mindset all the time, it really never occurred to me that I could have any other way of doing things. I just assumed I would never be able to afford anything else. Now that I've had the experience of growing past that point, I see that there's another phase, and this could be in the development of a business, or I also went through this when I started a theater company, or really any kind of big dream that you're working on creating. Probably there's going to be a phase where doing it yourself is going to be a huge strength, a huge asset. And then at some point, if you do that for too long, or if you do it with too many things, it may start to become a liability. It definitely can save you money in the short run if you're doing things yourself, right? But it can also come with a cost in the long run. So we have to pay attention to that cost-benefit analysis, and we also have to be attentive to when is it time to take a leap of faith that is often required to invest in getting professional support even if you don't totally feel ready because that professional support is probably what you need to get to the next step where you can be making more. So in my last business, I was able to pretty successfully shift from the DIY way of doing it to the, the doing it a little more professionally. And that system worked well for me. I have now pivoted a little bit because I shifted in the middle of the pandemic, let go of my other business, and started really focusing on building new infrastructure for my coaching business, including launching this podcast. So at the moment, you're catching me in more of a DIY phase. And I would say the difference is that this time around, I'm here with more intention. I know that that's what I'm doing. And I also know that I'm not going to stay here forever. So I put together a few just considerations for deciding whether you are at a space where you should hire professional support, like if you're ready for DIP, or if you should stick with DIY. So I think that DIY could be the right choice for you if you are in a startup phase where you cannot afford to hire a professional. And if you are in that space, 
then you want to make sure you're applying your DIY efforts to the work that gives you the most leverage, that you have the most talent or skill with, that's going to help you grow to a professional level the fastest. For me right now, I've accepted that some of the technical aspects of my business are going to be a little less perfect because that's not where my talents are. But as long as I'm really focusing on leveraging where I do have talent, where I do have skill, and I'm maintaining my professional integrity in those arenas, I'm trying to leverage them to the point where I can eventually hire out professionals to do the things that really I don't have any business doing, like designing my website and things like that. Another reason you might want to stick with DIY is if you absolutely love doing it yourself with that particular thing. If it's a hobby or a craft or a passion of yours that you receive a lot of value in exchange for doing it yourself, then that's a great choice. Another reason why you might want to stick in the DIY phase is if you're an entrepreneur and you want to understand the ins and outs of your business before you delegate them to somebody else. I learned this in my last business where there were certain things that I didn't know how to do and I didn't want to learn how to do them. So I thought I could just hire somebody to come in and do them for me. But they were kind of high level things like understanding the accounting or understanding the marketing strategy that certainly you can hire people to do those things for you. But if you're a business owner, it's really good for you to feel like you have a grasp of it and you know enough about it that you can make high level decisions about it. So this is where being an entrepreneur, it is really good and helpful to do a lot of the things yourself, even if they're not your strength, just enough so that you really can understand what they're about. And the final indicator that maybe DIY is still a good fit for you is if you are willing to let go of perfectionism and let things be good enough. Like for me, today's little podcast switch up from what I thought I was going to be airing to what I am airing. That is one of those things that I just have learned to be flexible with and say, that's good enough for me today. And then there are points where you get to where you think, you know, I really do just want this to be done professionally. And I'm willing to pay even if it's hard to do. I'm willing to pay a professional to do this so that it will be done the right way, the best way. You know, I never try to fix my own car <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that good enough is not the right answer. I'm not going to let go of perfectionism with like my car's I don't know. I see. I don't even know the parts of a car to tell you what it would look like to be a perfectionist or not. Basically, I know nothing about fixing a car and a car is a thing that should be safe to drive. So I'm just never messing with that. I'm always taking it to the mechanic. So those are the things that, you know, if you're, if you're sticking with DIY and if you are wondering if it's time to start doing it professionally, maybe hiring professional support, I would say, you know, it's time if you have already tried to DIY it and you're continually failing to meet your goals. This is often the point where people come to me as a coach, whether they're coaching with me for life stuff or business development. It's usually at a point where they realize that they just aren't making progress on their goals and dreams in the way that they had hoped and that no matter how hard they try to do it themselves, it just isn't moving forward. And at that point, you can be pretty certain that it's not going to move forward unless you get some outside support. So that is a really excellent reason to work with a coach, by the way. Another good reason to start doing it professionally is 
when you take stock of the amount of time, energy, and money you have already put into DIYing and realize that it's more than the amount that you would have spent on hiring a professional, this is even better if you can do it in advance. Now that may seem really obvious, but a lot of times we do not take stock of this until we've already wasted dozens of hours trying to say, build our own website or do something like that. So you might wanna think about it ahead of time, sit down with the numbers and try to predict really how long is it going to take you and how stressful is it going to be? And is it really worth it to save that amount of money? Or is working with a professional going to actually save you money in the end? Okay, the final reason why you may want to do it professionally rather than doing it yourself is if one of the main reasons that you're avoiding working with other people is because you don't trust that anyone else can do it as well as you. Now, I say this because this is more of a, I would say, trauma response. <laughs> so, so, and I don't, I don't want to say that lightly, but it's something that a lot of us develop if we have a history of feeling like we can't trust other people to help us get our needs met. If that's the case, we may develop a DIY way of doing things because we only feel safe when we're self-sufficient. We don't feel safe relying on other people. And it's actually a skill that I think is really healthy and important to develop to work through that belief and to take some risks on seeing what can happen if you do find the people who can actually help you. And when you get professional support that helps you and that meets your needs, it can take you so much further than you ever could have gone alone. And yes, it's also the case that if you get professional support that's extremely unhelpful, it can sometimes be harmful, right? So we do have to be discerning and all of those things. But it's really, it can actually be a part of our healing process to have the experience of hiring someone or working with a professional and letting them take care of us and letting them help us and seeing that there are other people in the world who can complement our skill set and they can help us go further than we can get alone. I know that this one really came up for me when I went to hire my first employee and I had so much fear about how I would never be able to find somebody who fit what I was looking for. And once I went through the process and found some really fantastic people to work with and had just such a positive experience with it, now I can see how, oh, this is a no-brainer. Of course you should get support and hire things out. And if you can find people who are great to work with, you should pay them whatever you need to pay them to work with them because finding people who are great to work with is one of the most valuable things that you can ever find. And it's worth it. It's a treasure that is worth more than money. So I know that, you know, you may be at a point where you just literally cannot afford to hire professional support, even though you're quite willing to do it and you'd love to do it. And again, at which point you may just need to do a little bit of leveraging, whatever you need to do to kind of slowly, one little step at a time, get some professional help with the first thing that you would most love to delegate to somebody else. Okay, well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to my DIY podcast. And one day, again, I hope this will be a DIP podcast. But in the meanwhile, I really appreciate you being flexible. I'm going to be taking next week off of the podcast because I have to do a little bit of catching up. Then I will be back with a few more episodes. And 
I think we're actually going to be ending season one next month at some point. And then I'm going to take a little bit of a longer podcast break so that I can catch up and hopefully get on a more consistent and professional schedule for all of you. That's it for today. I will be back with you all in two weeks. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Space Beyond Scarce. If you enjoyed this episode, please go over to Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps out a new podcaster. Thank you.